Welcome back to the Soul Inspiring Business Podcast, and Happy New Year. At the time of this recording going live, we are at the start of 2022, and I'm super excited about this episode because I just loved this interview with John Eustica, Chief Financial Officer of Siemens Government Technologies. John and I were introduced by a mutual friend, and I was so impressed with his leadership, which I would describe as soul-inspired leadership. And what's different about this episode, unlike other ones where we've highlighted the entrepreneurial soul journey, today we touch on how to find your calling in life's work within a corporation. So I think this is going to be really impactful for any of our listeners who are working within a company, but are wanting to find more fulfilling work. Now, John offers some great practical guidance and advice on how to do that within your own corporation. He also touches on what to look for, very importantly, when finding the right mentor-mentee relationship. And lastly, a big, big part of our interview focuses on John's leadership style, which is unique and very effective. We dive into how he approaches his team, employee development, and using a thoughtful and heart-centered approach, how he's able to create great culture within his team. Now, a bit of background on John. Again, as I mentioned earlier, John is the Chief Financial Officer of Siemens Government Technologies, SGT, the separate but affiliated U.S. government arm of technology powerhouse Siemens. With nearly two decades of experience in the power generation and industrial manufacturing sector at Siemens, Eustica has led a significant number of initiatives in support of corporate and project finance, strategic acquisition, financial workstream delegation, forecasting, reporting, planning, and internal audits. And in addition to that, throughout his career and many other leadership positions he's held, uh, he's also been recognized for his financial leadership in both the boardroom and community. In 2018, he was named to the top 40 business leaders under 40 by the Charlotte Business Journal. And in 2021, he was selected as the CFO of the year for Washington Executive's Chief Officer Awards for his innovation, expertise, and thought leadership within the government contracting space. Now, from talking to him, all of this is no surprise to me, and I'm really excited for you to hear this episode, which I think you're going to find especially inspiring as you really connect to the warmth and the heart that embodies John and his leadership style. Now, just one housekeeping item, there is a little feedback from one of the microphones as you listen in, so just to know, I apologize in advance, but I think, again, you're just really going to connect to John and uh, to the heart that is just him. So it is my absolute pleasure to share this with you, and it all starts now. I'm Kara, and welcome to Soul Inspiring Business. I believe that all of us possess unique gifts and talents that allow us to serve the world and our own growth in the highest possible way. Our lives are an expression of our thoughts, beliefs, and actions. And here, we will explore businesses, thought leaders, and topics designed to inspire, helping propel your own growth so you can live your best and most purposeful life. Welcome to Soul Inspiring Business. Well, welcome to the Soul Inspiring Business Podcast. Today, we have John Eustica, and welcome, John. Hi, Kara. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, well, I'm really excited. You know, um, we just read your impressive bio, and it certainly is impressive, Um, but we were introduced by a mutual friend, and when she said we had to meet, she said, 
you have to meet John. He is just a divine human being and he's doing such good work in the world and building such an amazing team. And I just think you guys have to connect. And then we did. And I thought, wow, she's right. (laughs) And I've been super excited to have you on the show. Uh, And really, I think part of it is because a lot of the podcasts we've been interviewing entrepreneurs and talking about how do you create a sole purpose in your business. And so a lot of that has been focused on the entrepreneurial journey. Um, But for you as the CFO with Siemens, um, your journey has been on the corporate side. And I think that's a really great journey to showcase as well, because um, certainly, you know, you've, as we had talked kind of pre-show about your own soul journey and how it's led you to the work that you're doing now, I think it's important Mm -hmm. for people to hear from you, you know, how you can find that uh, in another business, right? It doesn't have Mm -hmm. to be your own entrepreneurial uh, type journey. It can be in the corporate journey as well. Um, So really excited to explore that today. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it as well. And, And you're exactly right. I mean, I think being loving what you do and having that that soul inspired journey as you call it you can do it at a corporation and i think um it's probably something that corporations get a bad rap for sometimes is that you know it can be just about numbers and 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 not about really caring for our people and that's the caring for people and being part of that larger family i think is what's really kept me at siemens now for almost 21 years so it's um it, it is possible uh and it's not it's possible beyond the entrepreneurial, but I would agree it's different than what you're probably used to for those are folks who are entrepreneurial. You create that family through relationships and friends and, and people that you know and have worked with for years um, who might be in different countries and in different places, maybe not necessarily different businesses. So it's, it's um, we're all part of one family, but working together to, to really you know, go through the journey and create the culture of that corporation. No, and, absolutely, and exactly. We had talked uh, previously again about about your journey in finding the right role for you, and you know how that kind of evolved. And so, I guess for anybody that is in a corporation but maybe doesn't mm-hmm. feel quite fulfilled right now, um, you know, how would you? What kind of advice would you give them to help them find that um, in their in their company? Yeah, I mean, one of the things that, that I did was I first started to really align and, and, and to learn from the folks who had, you know, been there for a while. And why do they like it? Um, what is what is the piece of it? And, and one of the things that, you know, and when I think you're an entrepreneur, and I grew up in a family of entrepreneurs, so I do understand it a little bit is you kind of create that destiny on your own. What am I going to do? What do I want to do in the world? And then when you look at the corporation, those doors are really open. You have a lot more tools to do it. And you also have some restrictions and that you've got to align. It's not just you, you've got to really have this alignment and this teamwork and, and building your, what I call it, your internal tribe of, of folks. And so when I looking at it that way, you say, okay, well, if you're starting out young, you should just try to experience everything you can. I mean, I, I started with a company that had six factories and like my goal was like, I want to visit each one of the big factories the first year. I want to see what they make. I was started in a headquarters. So went into the big cube farm. Um, you know, it wasn't near as nice as it is today even. And 
you know, it was just great to be able to get out and, and to realize what the power of that name has and be able to see these, these large projects and seeing that, that allowed me to grow. I think that was the first thing. The other thing that a corporation, I think, does give you that is a little tougher for an entrepreneur is the ability to fail, to take big chances. Um, you know, taking a big chance, you have a whole large network of folks that are really behind you in a, you know, differently. Those of a, those folks I know who are entrepreneurs, they have, you know, they have their peer groups, they have other things of folks that give them a support system. The corporation, you know, if it's a, has a healthy culture actually creates that support system for you. And so if you, some people choose not to use it and some people do. The other thing, and I think the third thing that's really important is you also need to start learning things outside. So a lot, a big fallacy that people do who are in big corporations is they only focus inside. Mm-hmm. And so they, they learn always inside, inside. And what you really have to do and what I learned, I think in the last you know, five to seven years is the more you can focus outwardly again and internally, you can even kind of accelerate that growth because the experiences that you have or that you have the ability to see are just maybe just larger because the scope of that company is bigger. I mean, Siemens is a large you know, multinational conglomerate company. So we have projects all over the world, you know, so if you want to go work on a project in India, you can go do that. I mean, it's, it's there, but you have to, you have to want it and you have to, you know, push for it. Yeah. Well, and I think I love also what you said is when you're first starting out, just like experience at all, right? Because sometimes I think in our society, there's also this, this um, idea that, you know, you're going to, graduate and you're going to, you're going to go out and you're going to just be the, you want to rise to the top without maybe doing the work that it takes to make the top worth it, do you know, or, or have the experience to be able to really lead people from the top. Um, right. So I think, you know, that's, that's great advice on, you know, how you can explore that further. Um, I guess just kind of for your own sort of soul journey, can you walk us through a little bit of, um, you know, we've gone over your bio, but maybe some of the highlights of sure how you've experienced your own own sort of journey along the way. Yeah, absolutely. I think mine mine starts with, and it's really it it it's you know I got my first I would say chance at a leadership position um, because I in essence took a job that many other people had turned down. And the only real reason that I took the job is because I knew the individuals that I was going to be working with um, from in the past. And I had said, well, I trust these folks. And if they believe in me, then I think I can do it. Um, and at that point, I was in five years into my career. I was in my late 20s. And, and I kind of looked at it of like, well, I don't really have a lot to lose, but I have an awful lot to gain. And I think that trust of those folks, you know, some of those same people who believed in me then pushed me to go work, take the next step, which was into a manufacturing, you know, environment um, and to, to really help to modernize a plant and to, and to, and to bring it, you know, into the 20, 21st century. And so I think, you know, in doing all that, then it just started snowballing. Then it was like, well, if I can do these things, why can't I learn another language? So move to Germany, learn another language, you know, and, and again, all of that by through really having good mentors who, who were believing and, and who were pushing and, you know, and I, and I think it's about people. It's not really about um, skill sets, but you also have to be willing if you don't have the technical skills to get your hands dirty. And I think back to your comment about folks want to go straight to the top. 
I think folks that I have seen in my career that have gone straight to the top like that, they struggle because they don't, they don't haven't spent the time to really, I would say, get into the trenches and learn how to deal with people. I think one of the biggest things that I have experienced in my career is being able to have experience a very diverse background of people. So I lived in a, in a small town in Alabama for the better part of seven years. And, you know, I grew up in, in Florida. It was a different culture. Moving to Germany, completely different culture. Um, so there's tons of diversity, even in our own country, that we don't necessarily realize is there sometimes. And I think being able to see that and being able to understand what's really important to different people helps you to see perspective. If I think about, you know, the last 22 months and obviously being a diverse organization like Siemens, we have employees, you know, all over the U.S. and in Siemens government technologies who maybe feel differently about certain things. And, and, and so not, you know, understanding, hey, when we putting messages out on, you know, rules that we have to follow, the way we do that can affect people in different cultures differently. So I think that is something that really is, is, is important for, um, you know, growth. And, and when you talk about, okay, soul inspiring leadership, you know, I got the, the first kind of high level job I had running a business, not because I was the technically the best person to do the job. I got the job because I knew the people at that location and they actually trusted me, um, which, you know, was something that I didn't take very lightly. So it, it pushed me to work more, do better, do anything I could to make it successful because they had actually put their faith in me um, to be their leader. So that's um, a totally different uh, way of looking at it. And then, you know, building that, that trust of um, from folks that had a different background than me, because, you know, um, I wasn't an Alabama or an Auburn fan, you know, I, I was came from Florida. So, you know, that, that was a big thing there. Right. Right. No, that's good. And, and you talked about mentorship. And so, because I, I wholeheartedly agree. The most valuable person that you can have, I think, when you're just starting out or even in any point of your career, right, is a great mentor because they can push you in. They can see things in you sometimes that you don't see in yourself. So um, and as we talk about soul inspired leadership and how do we become a great mentor for others, but like what are how did those mentors come about? Did you seek them out or did they seek you out um, just out of curiosity? I think, you know, I think it was definitely, I, I was seeking them out. Um, obviously there has to be a match. And I was very, uh, you know, just like any other large company, we had these programs where you would take a personality test and they tried to match you with an executive who, you know, they thought would, would, would work. And both of the ones where I was matched, it didn't work. And not because, the, the person was a bad mentor, but their, their belief system and the way that they looked at leadership in mine was a little bit different. So I think you find that you, you mentors to me are natural. You, 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 you can gel. And so when I interacted with somebody who I felt was, you know, aligned with my belief system and the way that I wanted to lead, you know, I, I seek them out, you know, and, um, and, and really like some of the folks that I, you know, had very early in my career from 20 years ago who are retired, we still talk every so often today uh, because as I'm now transitioning from being a mentee to starting to be a mentor as well, I want to make sure that I'm doing, you know, as good of a job as I can. And I kind of do the same thing with my mentors is have a very frank discussion in the beginning around let's talk about what's really important to you. And let's talk about what's really important to me, because if we're out of sync, 
we're not going to be good for each other. I'm not going to be able to help you. And, and, and so it's going to be frustrating really quickly. And then let's try to find somebody who, who, you know, fits that. And that's kind of, um, I always have fun with HR when I'm hiring people, because I really look for um, a belief system. When I hire people, who are the folks that who work and, and believe in the same way that I do. And if there's, you know, if they've got, if they've got that and they've got 70% of the technical skills I need for the job, I've never been not successful. I have been unsuccessful in making compromises on the beliefs and how I think they should lead and being hundred percent technical. And, and, and that it just, you have to surround yourself with people who, you know, and it can challenge that system as well. So, you know, I like to hire, uh, that's one of the, the things I always say is I try to hire people who are stronger than me, um, who can push me, um, because the more they push me, the better leader I am. And, and the same thing with my mentees. I like the mentees that are, that are pushing me to be better people. And, and of course, obviously for mentors, you want mentors that push you and drive you to do more and do better. So it's, um, you know, I have mentors that are all over the world and I just think it's, it's just totally, totally awesome. And I think that's one of the, the things that help us grow as people. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I guess when, I, when you talk about a belief system, what is that to you? Like, what do you think are some of those core values that as a leader allow you to be more effective and uh, for your people? Yeah. So my, my belief system, what I, or as I call it is pretty, is not rocket science, but I, I am very accountable. So I like to hire folks that are very accountable for their, for their work and, and, and what they produce. Um, and what, what accountability really means to me is, is not about, you know, being ruthless to get the job done, but being ruthless in serving whatever the customer or the client is. Everybody has a customer, uh, whether you're in finance, whether you're in you know, contracts and legal, or whether you're in sales, everybody has a customer and we have a, we have a role. And so I, that's one of the things for me is, is like, well, we need to serve the customer and we need to, we really need to be, you know, doing our best job at that and not, you know, not walking away. But then the other thing that's really important for me is I also want to look for people who care about others. Um, and, and I don't mean care, like they just say it, like, I want to see examples like, okay, tell me the people you've promoted. Tell me the people who you tell me the best people that work for you, that you helped get a position outside of your department, that you really have a, some people call it leaning in, some people call it, what you know, development, whatever it is. But I really believe that, you know, I, I want leaders on my team that look to bring people in and help them achieve whatever their, you know, whatever their desire and dream might be. And so if, you know, somebody desires to be part of our team for 20 years, awesome. Let's make that the best 20 years of their life. If their desire is, this is a stop along the way, let's make this stop something where they can learn, they can help us, and then also leave us in a really good position. So when the next person comes in, it's better than what they started. So I think that's, that's kind of my belief system is somebody who's looking for people to make them better. And then also looking for, you know, a good mix because you can't have all people that want to be here for 20 years and you can't have all people that want to stop here along the road. Those are kind of the two extremes. You need a healthy balance of both. And I really believe in, and especially in a business like ours in a large corporation, you need a healthy balance of both. And, and, and all of those people are extremely important. And so that's, I think that's probably the third thing. Um, we, we, we just were actually uh, saw a speech a few weeks ago about leading with love is what they even use that very much of a strong word. Um, 
And I think, you know, if you really can truly love your employees and love what you're doing, it changes the dynamic when you're in the office and, and when you're doing what, because we do a lot of hard things and they're, not all of them are easy, but if you really like what you're doing, it makes it so much better. So, you know, I, I think it's, it's a little hard for some of us to say we love our employees, but I certainly say for me, there's nothing more rewarding as a leader than to see somebody who's on your team or part of your team achieve something that they couldn't or, or to accomplish something big or anything like that. And same thing with mentees. I have a mentee who 18 months ago became the CEO of a company. That's what he wanted to do. And he's doing a great job. And it's like, it's yes. Is he, is he working and helping my team? No, but it's, it's achieving a dream of his and getting to watch that is just super rewarding. You know, that, um, that is awesome. And it reminds me of the book. I don't, I don't know if I'm going to butcher the name or the title, but I think it's called the dream manager. Do you know that book? I, I'm writing it down though. So I don't forget it. I'll have to, um, I'll put it in the show notes, the actual title. I think that's what it's called. But when I actually served on, on a leadership team in real estate, um, for a real estate office, it was given to me by one of our, our leaders and, or by my boss. And it's all about how basically exactly what you're describing, um, you help your people accomplish their dreams. And that's kind of how to build and build your, I guess, the, being a, as a leadership style, right? So mm-hmm. finding out what is it that that person wants and then helping them create and fulfill that. Right. And so again, whether it's, whether it's on your team or whether it's helping them achieve a dream of being a CEO somewhere else, like they gave you all that they had while they were with you because you were helping them accomplish their dreams. And so it's, Mm -hmm. um, anyway, it's a really interesting book. Um, um, and it sounds like a very similar type leadership style to what you just naturally do. Um, but how do you create that? Like, what's your process for cultivating that kind of soul-inspired leadership where you do find out what they're looking for? Is it a, is it a quarterly meeting? Is it a, you know, how do you do that with your team? Yeah. Yeah. For me, it's, it's definitely an on, we do have quarterly meetings, obviously. Um, it's an ongoing dialogue. Um, it's a, it's a more personal dialogue, I would say. Uh, you know, I want to know, you know, I really want to get to know my team in, in terms of, you know, what's important for them, um, sharing whatever they want to share about their family, their, you know, their, their wants and needs, their, their, maybe their dreams in life, you know, whatever those things are, I think it's really important to that, that establishes a different level of comfort and, and trust, I think, which is really key because, it's very difficult to open yourself up to somebody who doesn't really, you know, who you don't really know if they know you or what's the reason. And I think that also means you have to share uh, things about yourself as well. You know, what's important to you and, and, you know, um, what makes you tick? What's And so we spend a lot of time in the beginning we did. And when the team was new, when I first came in, you know, going through that and saying, you know, there's always a joke I say that, you know, which is like at home, my, my, you know, my wife always says to me, like, you know, I'm sometimes if I, you know, I've had a bad day at work, she'll say, I'm not your employee. Like, you know, like, so I, and I tell my team that like, you know, that's the, you know, the, the, it's important to me that she keeps me grounded and and that's really important. So that if my, 
if I'm on the phone with you and my wife is calling me in the middle of the day, I'm probably going to say, look, I, Hey, I got to go. I got to take this call because she's not going to do that unless it's something that's really important. So, and it's just, it's really not big things. It's more little things. Um, I have been through, you know, the trust falls and go out in the woods and and do all those things. And, And they are helpful in building trust. But really for me, where that bonding happens is in those discussions, which take place, you know, on the side where, where somebody really starts to get comfortable. And then of course, the second thing is the action. So, you know, if somebody is telling me they want to learn something and I'm helping with that, I really need to do it. Like Mm -hmm. not just, not just say I'm going to do it and like send an email, but really do it. And I think that's where you build that, that trust. So, um, so yeah, yeah, that's where we can do that is, is really learn to trust each other and then, and then learn to, to grow together. And then, and then also they see it right. When they see people being promoted, when they see you, you know, things happening, they're more willing to, to share more. And then the more you share, the faster you go, the bigger things get right. So let's say it's kind of like a cycle. Um, and you know, I wish I could draw a process on a piece of paper, but I really don't. It's more really about, you really have to care and you really have to be authentic. Um, and so I, I also think that allows you when things are, you know, maybe tough, you can drive actually harder because people know you're coming from a good place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, and it's something that's built over time too, right? Like, as you yeah. mentioned, it's something that you're, um, you're developing this relationship so that you can have tough conversations when need be, but you can also have fun together too. When you find someone that maybe you, you realize, Hey, I don't know that this is really a great fit for them. Or you see that Mm -hmm. their gifts, like, how do you make sure that their gifts are being used? Um, I guess in the, in the highest way, what does that look like for you? Yeah, that's that out. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a, that, that can be a difficult discussion at times. Um, the way I do it is, and it is one benefit of being part of a corporation really is if we have, I mean, like right now in the U S you know, we're a smaller segment of Siemens, but Siemens in general has 1500 open jobs. So the reality is, is that if somebody is not performing the way we want them to, it's often because there's some reason why they're not happy. And, you know, I've had folks say, well, you know, I'm, I'm living in Atlanta. I don't really want to live in Atlanta. I really want to live in Florida. Or I've had people say, you know, well, I've been, you know, I want to just do something different. It's like, well, okay, there's tons of tools to help that happen. And, and so it's not about, you know, it's not about, you know, just, oh, we're going to throw somebody out or, or, or say, Hey, you know, give them a bad performance review. It's really about like, you know, well, this is what we see. This is what I see. And this is what you're saying. It doesn't fit. So why is it not fitting? Let's really have a discussion. Um, I never forget one of my, I had an employee who, you know, um, you know, had gotten bad performance ratings and, and, and I talked to him and I said, like, I came in new and I was like, we just need to clean the slate here. Like what's going on. And he's like, well, I really wanted to do this, this, and this, but nobody ever let me do it. I said, okay, well you do that, that, and that show us that you can do it. And then let's talk about the other things. And, he turned around to be one of the best. In fact, he's still there and, and, and he loves his job because he, it turned around for him. Um, and it was just because nobody uh, in the past had taken the time to really understand. So that was, I think those were some of the moments early in my career, which really shaped um, my, you know, kind of existence. And, and actually it reminded me of another thing. One of my, my first leader actually had sort of a, 
I don't know, midlife crisis, whatever word. I don't, I don't know. I probably shouldn't say too many details, but let's just say she, she got to a point where it just was not working for her anymore. So I saw that really early in my career and then watching my manager at the time work through that, who it was really tough for him um, trying to help this person, you know, get through that. It really showed me that, you know, you have to, you know, figure out ways to, to get, to meet people where they are and to understand what's important to them because mm-hmm. that's how we, that's how we move forward as a, um, you know, as a team. And so I think that that was really like ingrained in my head um, from the very beginning um, because the reality is you're never going to be the, the most smartest person in the room. There's very few people that can say they're the smartest person in the room. Um, most of us need help. And so I think if you real, the sooner you can realize that the better you'll be in and, and the, probably the more happy you'll be. Yeah. And, and I love that. I mean, really the gift of, I think the soul inspired leadership and it is being able to bring that out of people. I mean, how, how awesome of you to see that, not take your employees performance review, right. And say, wow, okay, well, I guess they just can't do the job or, you know, but really take a deeper dive and understand that at their core, I think, I believe most people are inherently good and want to do good work, but if they're not fulfilled in some way that can manifest and present in a variety of different ways. And if you're really, I mean, cause I know when I don't really, when I'm not inspired in something, I'm probably not going to care as much about it. Right? right. So if we can then use that as a tool to ask the deeper questions, to get to kind of uh, the need behind the need in sales, that's what they call it. There's always like getting to the need behind the need, but, you know, really kind of understanding the core underneath of what's happening and then mm-hmm. figuring out how to help that person bring out what it is they really want to do. Um, I mean, what a gift that is to do as a leader for your team. Right. Yeah. It's interesting. You say that one of the things that's, you know, along this lines is, is positive reinforcement can be just as dangerous as negative reinforcement in these cases. So I've had folks that were on my teams that were, let's say killed themselves trying to get certain things done. were clearly unhappy, uh, but they were given good performance reviews. And so that just reinforced that behavior in them and then maybe in their teams and then trying to break that cycle. Um, this may sound funny, but I, I really gave an impl- uh, somebody one time and told them like, you're not going to meet expectations if all of your vacation isn't taken because it wouldn't take a vacation. Mm-hmm. And, and when you saw that you could see the stress in the individual and that they just needed to let go. And, and it's still, he's still a friend of mine. So we joke about it, but you know, he, he, it was something to help him actually unplug and relax because that actually made him a better leader and mm-hmm. a better, and a better person. And, when you think highly enough of somebody, I think to really say, look, I want you to walk away. I want you to just take your time. Um, you know, that it is a little bit shocking for some people because most managers are like, just get the job done, whatever it takes. But that to me is a short-term thing. And if, like you said, if somebody is not happy, it will catch up. And it's just a matter of how and when, and, and the longer it goes, the usually the worse the fallout is, you know, I mean, um, I would be devastated if I knew somebody, you know, had a loss of a marriage or something because of their career. I mean, that would just be, you know, very difficult. And so I think that's where for me, it's like, let's figure out a right way to give you the balance you need. And if you want to work all the time, well, there's other, other things you can do to solve what might be the reason in your personal life, why you don't want to go home. 
right. you know, because we've had that experience as well. But let, let's figure it out. But that's a, for me, that's a different level of caring and, and really caring about your people at a, at a different level um, than I think some some other pe- people do. Yeah, no, a thousand percent agree. Um, and what type of things do you do to get creative or to, you know, to challenge yourself so that you can, um, you know, continue to create really great leadership and culture for your team? Well, I think talking to people like talking to you about, you know, what, what you do, I think that's one thing. Um, it's, it's sharing, you know, the, I have, um, we, we actually have a, we obviously have a mutual friend who's a, who's a coach, um, for leadership. You know, I have a, another coach that I've worked with and I've worked with different folks along the way. Um, you know, listen, the bet I, you know, I hate to use sports analogies, but you know, Peyton Manning didn't become a great quarterback because he was, he fell out of the sky. He, he worked really hard and he had a lot of coaches. And I think all of your, whoever you want to use Tom, you know, any football, baseball, whatever, most of them didn't just fall out of the sky with natural talent. They work really hard and they have coaches who help them. So I think that's number one is, you know, find, and again, it has to be the right fit. Mm-hmm. It, it, it um, you know, it can't, it can't be something that's forced on you or facetious or whatever. It really has to be something that, that it's a good fit. And I think if you do that, and then the other thing is getting experiences, like, you know, I, I think for me, one of the things is like, if I feel like I'm a little bit down, I'm like, okay, I'm going to a customer site next week. Cause it reminds me of why it's important. It reminds me of, you know, the folks who get the work done, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, because oftentimes as executives, we end up in, you know, offices or in networking events and, and especially as a CFO, you, you spend less time, but I, I, that's really inspiring for me is to go out and see the folks doing the work and, and then getting it done. Uh, and I think really the third thing, and, and that is then seeing what other folks are doing. So doing the, doing the smart networking, and then again, finding folks, you know, who, who you can really have an open discussion with. There's, there's folks who you see a, you know, at every cocktail hour and you shake hands and how are things going and you know who those people are. And then there's folks that you can really talk to and that you can really, you know, take it down another level. And I think those are the things that, you know, start to get inspiring because you might hear of things that they're doing that are really good, you know, and that can, if, if, if you're struggling with something, you can pick it up and then also being comfortable enough to, to put yourself out there when maybe something is, it's it's easy to brag. It's not so easy to go out there when something is not going the right way or, Hey, I've got an employee who's given me a lot of problems or, you know, I've got a problem that I'm trying to work through, you know, So I think that is even more rewarding, but also at the same time, you really have to be confident and comfortable in yourself and, and in those people you're sharing with. Yeah. Well, and I think, I mean, throughout our conversation, the common theme that is really, you know, for being a CFO, right. Um, who works in numbers all the time, but at the core, it's all about relationships, right. That, Mm -hmm. so, you know, yes, you're, People may not think of that when they think of that role, right, as much. But at the core, it's the relationships that we build all along the way with our team, with our partners, with our vendors, with, um, you know, so that we have kind of a support team to help us grow and evolve. And I think that's that's really such a big key of a lot of, of really what you've been talking about um, in creating 
you know, a true soul inspired type leadership. I'm curious if you have any books or resources or anything that you love that have really helped you in your journey. Oh yeah. Now you're putting me on the spot. I mean, obviously I think everybody has read, I mean, everybody has read good to great. I think that's a good one. Um, some of the ones that I, that, that I really liked and, and I'll be honest, I, I am, I'm not a big reader. I'm more of an oratory person, but, um, or I like to study spreadsheets with numbers like any CFO, but I think, um, one of the best like nails on a chalkboard for me, but (laughs) for some people, yeah, right. (laughs) Exactly. So one of the ones that is, I think was really life-changing for me was called just listen. And I, I can give you the, the people who wrote them. I can't remember, um, which is a book that really talks about active listening. Mm-hmm. And it's one of the coolest books that, that I've ever read because it's, it's a guy who um, I think is a hostage negotiator. And so he talks about active listening in the corporate world. Um, but he also talks about things where he, really fundamentally changed people's lives by just, just listening to the words that they said, um, which is, which it, I, I can't uh, really, it's really hard to, to describe it without reading it and, and going into some detail, but that's one of the best ones. Um, we, I read a book years ago called all in, which I really loved, mm-hmm. but then I, um, I have a little book, which I can, I think I have it somewhere, which I carry with me, which is really called lying. And it's just about a, it's about 80 pages and it it talks about, it's called lying. Lying. It's about lying because it talks about white lies that we use and everybody uses and, and how the impact of using white lies in your organization, um, you know, has a really long-term and and kind of lasting effect, which um, is not, and, and, and in a big corporation, we don't do so much of that, but you do see it sometimes. And that's where my comment was about bragging before. Like, um, you know, it's, it's easy to talk about the good things, not so easy to talk about the, um, the, the not so good things. So those are, those are four that I live by, which of course, really for a CFO, you're probably now really like, that's totally not what I was expecting, but, um, why would I talk about a book about listening? You know, as a CFO, my job is to look at the numbers and really to sometimes predict the future. And so part of being able to do that is really listening to the details. And I don't mean just listening to the other executives, but listening to the, to the teams on the ground, to the sales folks and everything else. So, you know, really learning how to actively listen and, and, and seeking what's important and, and being able to do that, you know, is something that allows you to, again, form that connection that I talk about that I think it's really important. So I think, um, and it's, it's funny because I've had folks that I've worked for and worked with who I really hated the working with them. Like, but I always would like seek to find some, some common ground on a personal level so that I could, you know, um, understand where they were coming from. And at least then it gave me a way to look at them, you know, more positively, because in some cases I can tell you there's, I was like, Oh my gosh, what am I, what am I doing here? But then finding that common ground is a way to find a way to move forward. And it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily, it isn't about the business all the time. So, and that's, and again, learning and listening. Well, and you're right too. There's, there's also, you may never really like that person so much, right? But at least I think sometimes it's about finding, everybody has a little bit of gold in them, I think. Mm -hmm. And so, and sometimes just life experiences have shaped how they present or how they talk or how they come come at situations. So just having perspective on what that is can help you kind of get through and at least 
see it from a more positive, you know, perspective. So um, for sure. Absolutely. Last question. I'll put you on the spot again. Um, sure. But do you have any type of um, meditation practice or any type of practice for just centering yourself, you know, so that in order to either get inspiration or creativity or just, just get a little peace? Yeah. So, uh, no, I, I, um, I used to think that that, you know, when I was younger, I will be honest, I used to think that meditation and that stuff was, you know, maybe not real, but I, you know, as I've gotten older and, and had maybe more stress in my life and had children, I really found it to be, um, changing. So, um, I use, I have to look, I think it's inside timer. I forget the name of the app now on my phone. Okay. Um, and actually I was on a call with Washington exec, not that long ago where the, the person who was leading the call, um, and I can't remember her. Oh, Lori Levin, I think was, was saying, Oh, I use this all the time. And I was like, that's the one I use. So, um, okay. you know, I think that, uh, yeah, I do that. I, I, I would say meditation for me has been life-changing in terms of being able to alleviate stress, um, being able to, I used to carry a ton of tension in my shoulders and, and through meditation, I've learned how to kind of get that out and to sleep better, um, be able to be more present for my children. I would say being able to be more present, even in, in meetings, but, you know, taking 10 minutes before a board meeting and just, um, you know, centering myself, um, for me, it, um, I'm, I'm somebody who thinks very quickly and moves quickly. So I probably, you know, transcendental meditation where you got to be in for an hour is probably not something that it's going to be in my forte, but a great eight, 10 minute, you know, um, meditation is really helpful. And I think, uh, even just focusing on your breathing and being able to slow down is, um, it's really been, I can't use any other word than life-changing life-changing for my personal life, for my business life. And even with my, you know, my family, uh, my extended family, you know, everybody has a mother-in-law or a father-in-law who gets on their nerves. And so, you know, being able to just being able to be centered has just been really good. And, and I would say, um, you know, other than really doing the inside timing and working on manifesting and energy with, um, with Jen, who's our, you know, our mutual friend is, has been very helpful in, in centering and getting under. And I, and I think it comes back to understanding for me, it was like, there's things that I always felt and probably like everybody, especially if you're in the corporate world, I have a, you know, I have a filing cabinet full of Hogan and EQ and every kind of analysis that you can think of. Um, but the meditation and, and, and the energy piece of that really allowed me to move, move away from some of the things that were hindering me moving forward as a person. And so up until then, I was always learning how to bury them or how to forget about them or to not realize them. And, and I think what you actually learn in meditation and understanding and centering yourself is that they're not bad things. They're actually good things. You just have to learn how to use them. Mm, yeah, no, that's so good. And I, I'm a big believer in meditation myself. Um, you know, we talk about it on the show. Um, and I was actually just with a friend and, and she was kind of, she's somebody that had never really done meditation before, but she kind of had a little bit of a breakdown, went away to this retreat and she came back and she's like, gosh, I never knew how that could just change your life. Just, and, you know, just like you said, eight to 10 minutes a day, doesn't have to be, I think sometimes there's a mental block on, 
making it bigger in our minds, like, oh gosh, but then I'm going to have to sit cross that. I'm going to have to do this whole thing. And, and it's not that it's just a way of quieting the mind and getting back to the root of really who you are, you know, your source, get connecting with, I call it God, but, and creating the space for yourself where time and, and it, a truly kind of sacred time. And I think that time, that devotion of time can create exponential change in your life. Um, you know, if you're just able to devote that small amount of time. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's one of those things that when you, everybody you talk to, it's a little different for them. But what I notice is the outcome seems always to be extremely consistent, which you don't find very often, you know? Um, and it's certainly much better than I would say any of the alternatives that are out there right now. So of coping with stress or coping with problems. So it, um, you know, I, I, it, it really, for me, it allows me to be more present and allows me to sleep better. So then I can be more there, uh, for my family, for my, you know, for my extended family at work for, for all of those things. And, you know, some people, it takes longer, some people it takes shorter, but it's just really a matter of just stopping and clearing the noise out so that you can be focused and looking forward. And I think that's, um, well, and it's that age old analogy that, you know, when they talk about the, the oxygen mask, right. Coming down, like putting yours on first before you put somebody else's on, you can't really be an effective, I believe leader, partner, mom, dad, right. If you're not feeding yourself to some degree first and, um, and having some soul time. So I think that just helps us be better humans, right. In the world to other people. Um, absolutely. Yeah. Well, this has been such a gift. Um, I'm really just so grateful for your time. I'm grateful to Jen for introducing us. And um, I can't wait for our listeners to, um, for them to hear your journey and again, have a different perspective on the soul inspired journey and also how to create um, soul inspired leadership with our teams and create really great culture. Um, So for anybody listening that wants to learn more about you, what are the best ways for them to reach out to you directly or where are the best ways to connect? Yeah. I mean, the easiest one, I mean, you know, the technology has given us a great platform on LinkedIn. So I would say just send a note, uh, let me know that you heard it from the podcast. Cause obviously I do get a lot of, uh, you know, people out of there, but you know, I love helping and I love leaning in to help other folks and leaders. And so it's really very personally rewarding and, you know, I just want to say thank you to you for having me on. And, uh, you know, it's just been awesome just to sit there and reflect for a few minutes about myself and, and just, you know, think it's great that it can help others. And so, um, awesome to, to, you know, just really excited to see uh, what others think. Yeah, no, well, thank you so much. This has been again, such a treat and, um, and look forward to continuing to follow your journey. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much. I'm Kara, and you've been listening to Soul Inspiring Business. If you found this helpful, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. And if you feel so bold, share with others as well. Thanks again for listening. I look forward to growing together.